Hey, welcome to The Conversation. You're listening to Andy Mason, and this is authentic conversations around the messy intersection. Did I say messy? It's the messy intersection of faith, family, and business. And I'm sitting right now in Washington Crossing, Pennsylvania. Uh, We've got an Airbnb for a week. I'm here with my wife, Janine, and three of our daughters, 21-year-old Hannah, And Emily came down from college, so she's met us here. She's 19, and Holly, who's 15, and our son, Ben, is 18. He stayed home because of his high school commitments. And we're here because we were checking out a house for us to purchase in our transitional move over here, and secondly, high schools for Holly. And what we expected was that our house in California would have sold already, And we expected that we'd come here and it'd all fall into place. Well, none of that has happened. And we're sitting in delay and we're sitting in the frustration of that and we're sitting in the question marks. And it brings up this question, why on earth would we leave Redding, California? Why on earth would we leave a place where I have access to Bill Johnson and Chris Valentin directly, where we have a platform that is Bethel Church, that has a reach all over the world, uh, where I have friends and connections uh, that are established. We've been there for 13 years, where I literally have a dream house. None of the houses that we've looked at here come close to the house that we would leave behind, especially when we just renovated the bathrooms in order to sell it. So I'm sitting here that I'd be leaving the city I love, Reading. I'm involved with the community. I've had long-standing relationships Uh, to leave there and move across the country, I'm faced with uncertainty. I'm faced with not knowing so much, even knowing where to live. The environment and climate is completely different. The culture is different. There are so many things which would point back to, Andy, the best strategy to build heaven and business and follow the calling that God has given you to do in the earth would be to stay and leverage the relationships and the platform and the connections that you already have. Why on earth would we leave? Plus, Andy, you've gone over there. You've been there for a week. And really, what have you got to show for it? You've confirmed a high school for your daughter, which, by the way, is just amazing. And you've and your oldest daughter has been into a bookstore. She just loves books and she's had a great time. So taught two daughters. But in terms of finding a place for us to move into, in terms of all the things lining up, none of that has happened. And that causes stress and anxiety and questions. Why on earth would you leave something so good to go into something so uncertain? And bottom line is, it's a really good question. And you're right. And the best strategy may well be to stay and leverage the platform and leverage the relationships and stay in the connections and build deeper and lean further and uh, write a book about what we see happen and sell millions of copies. And I can carry on. The bottom line is the wisdom of God is foolishness to man and the strength of God is It just doesn't make sense sometimes. And I can try and reason and I can try and make it logical and I can try and argue that this is strategic because I have direct... It doesn't matter. When it 
all comes down is, will I follow the voice of God or will I not? And in the middle of this period, as I was reminded of a scripture that is found in John 16, and Jesus is speaking with his disciples. Now, if, if, if I'm talking to business people, it's really like this. Jesus is the most successful product in all of history. Can you imagine that you have, it's better than a Tesla vehicle. It's better than a the, the best F-150 Raptor truck with all the aftermarket parts. It's better than an Apple laptop. Jesus, everything he touches gets better. He reverses corruption. He establishes systems that cause everybody to flourish. He uh, can change the weather. He can walk on water. Uh, you, you with Jesus, and that is a business model. It's a no-brainer. This is the best thing in the universe. And after three years, he leans in. He goes, Andy, come here. Uh, lean, let's lean in. He says your name. He calls, hey, lean in, lean in. He goes, we're going to have a blood covenant, meaning I'm in this till death do us part. This is game on. And he said, we are going to change the world. And something inside of you echoes and resonates with that. And you're like, I was born for this. It's almost like everything else fades out because it's like, here we go. I'm a founding member of this organization, institution, mission, team, call it whatever you want to do. We're a part of it. And this is going to be awesome. You're not even thinking about your resume because this is so much bigger than that. This is every fiber in your being is resonating with this. And he goes, now, okay, uh, here's the strategy. Uh, strategy, step number one, I'm going to go and pick a fight with the religious leaders. They're going to hand me over to the Romans. The Romans are going to spread my blood on the pavement all the way from here up to that hill that you see in the distance. And then they're going to torture me to death. The most horrific, painful torture, not just kill me, but the tortured to death on a cross, the most painful death known to humanity, that's going to happen to me. And I'm sitting there thinking, hang on, hang on, hang on. And I don't know about you, but I would have been like Peter taking Jesus aside and said, hey, Jesus, hang on a moment. You know, I've read John Maxwell's Leadership Principles, uh, Developing the Leaders Around You. I've read Henry Cloud, Necessary Endings. Uh, I've got some business mentors and coaches who've built wonderful companies and institutions, and we've scaled things, uh, scaling up, uh, traction, four disciplines of execution, uh, built to last, good to great, Collins and Porous. We, we can go on and on and on. I, I am sure that we can come up with a strategy to achieve change of the world without what you just described. I don't think that's the best strategy. And I would be sincere believing that. And if you disagree with me, I just put yourself back in the story. And then Jesus looks straight at me. And half of what he says, we just usually lock onto the get behind me, Satan, as in, you have no idea what you're talking about. But then he says this, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. 
you're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. The best strategy may well be to do this. That is from a human perspective. But what does God say? Because 1 Corinthians one twenty five talks about the foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strengths. I would rather step out in faith and get it wrong and be wrong. Sometimes the best strategy is actually going to a cross, is surrender. It's not necessarily uh, daffodils and hummingbirds. Sometimes it is painful and difficult. It doesn't look like the right thing until you look back in history. It says this in Exodus. Uh, uh, I love this. Numbers eleven twenty three. Then the Lord said to Andy, Has my arm lost its power? Now you will see whether or not my words comes true. Numbers 11.23. You can jump back and read that. So here I am sitting in a situation which hasn't gone forward like I expected. Uh, The disciples, much, much worse situation than me. Their ideal product, the the solution to the world had just died. They're like, we have, we are lost. We're confused. We don't know what's going on. We haven't found the house that we want. We haven't, it hasn't all fallen into place like we imagined. But I, I don't know where I sort of go. His words are spirit in their life. There's nothing that comes close to that. And it doesn't make sense. But I know that I know that I know that this is the thing that God's called me to do. So number one is... The question is, what on earth are you doing? Why would you do that? But number two, it all comes down to this, is do I believe that I'm hearing God? Do I believe that God is in me? And the scripture, I was just meditating on this this morning. I woke up with this, it's John 14, 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Put your name in there. Don't let your heart be troubled, Andy. Trust in God. Trust also in me. You know, the biggest thing of that is not just trusting that God is real and that he's good, that he's kind, that he's for me. I've got to trust that he is in me. And then I've got to go to the next level. I've got to also trust and believe that I hear God. I've got to jump back and lean into Psalm 23. He is the good shepherd. He leads and guides me really, really well really well. So I have to lean in and trust that again. God, this doesn't make sense. It hasn't worked like I planned, but I believe that I heard you. Uh, My wife believes that we heard you. We have wise counselors around us that believe that we heard you. And although this doesn't seem to be the easiest path forward, we just would rather step out and trust that you're the good shepherd you can lead and guide. And even if we get it wrong, if we step out in faith, that's what you're looking for and you can trust and adjust us along the way. My ears will hear a voice from behind me saying, this is the way, walk in it. So what do you do when it's not working? Well, here's what I'm doing. I'm leaning back into what God has said. I'm remembering the testimonies of the last time we bought a house, of the last time we moved from one nation to another. I'm remembering the people around me that are praying with me and that speak the truth to me that will knife me in the front, not stab me in the back, will actually carry a knife and walk up to me and say, hey, Andy, 
I think you're being an idiot. This is the dumbest idea. I love people like that. I have to then go back and double check, am I hearing God? And when I pause and be still and reflect on that, in the middle of uncomfortable, in the middle of uncertainty, I just know that I know that I know that we are hearing God and it hasn't yet unfolded like I want or imagined, but something's being built on the inside of me. And that something, as painful as I say, is called faith. Faith begins when you step out from comfortable and certainty and you have to trust God for something that you cannot see. As in, you have the step in front of you and that's it. And then you're stepping out and you're leaning out beyond the point of no return. That's the point where faith kicks in. The point where you've got to put your foot somewhere, but you're not really sure whether the thing you're going to put your foot onto is actually stable or not. The only thing that holds you is the hand of God around you. When he says, though you fall, though you fall, you won't be cast down because I hold you in my hand. That's where we're at. I've got to trust that he's a good shepherd. I messaged someone yesterday and they're saying, hey, how are you getting on? And this guy uh, does a bunch of personal coaching, gym, you know, physical fitness coaching. And I said, I feel like I've been exposed again to areas where I don't trust God. How do I know? Because I didn't sleep well last night, because I am anxious, because I'm getting irritated and uptight with the people around me, because I don't have control. I don't have an answer. I don't have a solution. In the middle of that uncertainty, I'm trying to grab at something. And trying to grab at something usually doesn't end so good. I've got to be still and know God. So what do I feel like? I feel like I've been a day at the gym working out my body. It's called the faith muscle. I'm being stretched on every side. It's provoking the internal vulnerabilities. And I feel like I'm stretched and I'm sore all over. And then if you've ever known what it's like to go to the gym and you haven't done it for a while and you stretch and you do everything that night, you're probably not going to sleep so good because everything hurts. Now, just so you know, everything doesn't hurt. It's not like that. But sometimes it can feel like that emotionally. And in the middle of that, I've got to camp in what God has said. So I feed myself on Psalm 23. He's the good shepherd. Uh, even through death's darkest valley, I will not be afraid because he is with me. He holds me. I camp in the testimonies. Remember the time where it was impossible for us to buy that house in Redding, California, this dream house. And we literally got into a $700,000 house plus with $80,000 of cash. That's not possible. That there's not human possibly. It was either the stupidest thing in the world or God. Now I can look back and say it was God, but walking through that was painful. So in the process of this, I want you to hear this. The best strategy that you can follow is to follow the voice of God. You can have the best and wisest, smartest counselors, books, friends, advisors, but one word from God is so much more powerful than any of that. Uh, I love this reading in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, I think it's chapter 8. It talks about Israel spent 40 years in the desert, 40 years in the wilderness. The wilderness is where promise 
and crisis where adversity are right mixed in together. We're in the wilderness because of a promise, but we're still in the wilderness because of adversity, difficulty, challenge. And in the middle of that, it says in Deuteronomy 8 that God tested them to reveal to them what was in their heart. He took 40 years to teach them one thing, that you don't live by bread alone. You don't live by the best strategy, common sense, bank balance, uh, a level of Facebook followers. Fill in the blanks. It's whatever you have your earthly strength, strategy, structure, support, significance in. You don't live by that alone, but you live by the voice of God. Uh, Jesus said the same thing. I don't live by bread alone, but by the voice, the word of God. That is what sustains me. So where does that leave us? That leaves us actually in a really, really good place. Vulnerable, fully dependent on God. Growth, absolutely. But in a place of who will I believe and trust? John 14, 1. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Hey, I bless you to have a wonderful week. I bless you to have a fresh revelation of the good shepherd, that he's gooder than you know, that he knows how to guide and lead you better than you realize. He can lead you better than you can follow. You're a sheep. I was a physical shepherd. I understand how stupid sheep are, how sometimes you've got to literally tie the sheep, a single sheep, to a fence to get it to mother onto a new lamb. Otherwise, it'll wander off. You come back the next day and release it. But I feel like in some areas, I've been restricted and tied to a fence. Doesn't feel good, but is actually necessary in order to actually step into what God has for me next. So I just pray that over you, fresh revelation of the Good Shepherd that he leads you, that he guides you, that his staff comforts you, that he knows how to make you lie down by green pastures, that he restores your soul. And just release peace over you. I pray clarity that all the voices around you that are wise counsel, they're not evil, they're not bad, but actually they're only looking to a human perspective to look and take care of you. That's only natural. Only problem is those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. So I bless you to be led by the Spirit of God. I bless you to hear His voice really well. I bless you to step into courage and faith and action and not hold back and hide it and try to reason your way through it, but just call it as it is. Hey guys, I'm just sensing this is what God's saying. It doesn't make sense, but I just can't not do something else. So I bless you to fully step into that and that history would say that you are a child of God.